Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, welcome to the Spill Your Snackable Daily podcast where we talk about everything entertainment every day. Hi, I'm Laura Brodnick and I'm Mamma Mia's entertainment editor. And I'm Key Reese from Mamma Mia's influence agency called Social Squad. And we have got a huge week in entertainment ahead of us. Yes, we're partying on a boat tonight for Channel V to kind of kick off Aria Week. Key's a bit upset because she forgot we were going and she's, in her words, dressed like a farmer. But I think you look great. Well, we'll see. You'll be like a farmer on the high seas. On the show today, it's 15 years since Gwen Stefani released her first solo album. So why are her artistic choices now being called into question? Wendy was actually inspired by Tony's mom. And so I'd be at Tony's house and she would come down the stairs and she had her little bendy on and um, I started wearing them <laughs> just for fun. And the new trailer for MAFS has been released and people are both mystified and horrified. But to kick off the show today, it is what everyone has been talking about. Last night, Uber Eats released its latest version of the Tonight I'll Be Eating ad campaign. And social media went wild. Why? Because Kim Kardashian West is on the advertisement. So she stars alongside Magda Sabansky's iconic Kath and Kim character, Sharon Strzelecki, the overly enthusiastic netballer with a thick Australian accent. And the advertisement is hilarious. We've got a little bit of it for you now. Tonight? I'll be eating pesto gnocchi and garlic bread to keep me carved up. Hey, Kim, what are you going to have? Tonight, I'll be eating a chicken schnitty with chips and chicken salt. Ooh, nice. <laughs> nice. Kim, I don't mean to be rude, but it's actually pronounced nice. Nice? Nice. Nice. N-I-C-E, nice. Nice. It is so good. They did a really brilliant job with this, I think. I think that can be easily called the ad that stops the nation. <laughs> Well, it has. A lot of people are saying, like, this is, I didn't know I needed this, but I'm so glad that I have it. It's literally blown up across social media, and I'm really impressed with the Uber Eats Australia budget. Yeah, well, I think we know they're all doing okay since most of us spend the the majority of our paychecks on them. They usually do have reality TV stars spruiking their products, but this has taken it to a whole new level. Yeah, definitely. Well, the announcement coincided with an exclusive interview that journalist Lisa Wilkinson did with Kim Kardashian West for the project, which aired last night. And it was pretty cool. So she flew to Los Angeles and went to the set. There wasn't so much new information that we received, but it was definitely interesting to get a little look into her life and what it takes to pull that kind of advertisement together in LA. Yes, and the kind of interesting thing about this is that there was a little bit of a battle between the Australian t- different TV networks over who actually had the Kim Kardashian exclusive. Oh, I didn't know she's about had, this. She's had a bit of an Australian... She's not even in the country. She hasn't stepped foot in here since she broke up with, um, I think it was Chris Humphreys back then. And she remember oh, how she... Yes. Broke up with him and she was 
coincidentally in Australia at the time and so had to do all her press That's about right. the breakup of her 72-day marriage. So she hasn't stepped foot back in the country this time. So she's doing all this press from her home in LA. But yes, yeah, so the project put out, they had the, this big exclusive. It was a sit down with her and they ran all these promos during the week about the Lisa Wilkinson interview. But then on Friday, Kim Kardashian appeared on Sunrise um, opposite Sam Armitage and Koshi talking about her new perfume line and her family. And there was the words exclusive all across that. So then, of course, the Australian public were like, well, which one of these is the exclusive? Because you've both got them. So then both of the networks had to do a bit of an about face and Sunrise had to clarify that theirs was a breakfast exclusive. So therefore, it was different to the project. And the project executive producer said theirs was an exclusive because it was the only Australian sit down face to face interview because Lisa actually sat down with her IRL and chatted through bigger points. So she was kind of a bit of an exclusive takeover from Kim Kardashian. Yes, her Australian takeover has just been epic. So I think one part of the interview that I found really relatable was when Lisa Wilkinson asked her what the hardest thing about being Kim Kardashian West was. And she said that it was keeping up with friends. And I was like, that is 100% relatable. So obviously she has a really busy professional life and family life. And she says that she's got a great core group of friends, but that's probably the biggest challenge for her is really investing in those relationships and keeping them going. And I just found that really relatable. Oh, you mean as in connecting with her friends? For a yes. second, I thought you meant keeping up with her famous friends like Beyonce no, no, no. and Jennifer Lopez <laughs> and having the same stuff of them. And I'm thinking, that is hard. It's not relatable, but it's hard. <laughs> no, her childhood school friends who she's grown up with and still friends with now. I just found that incredibly relatable. I think the busier you get in your professional life and in your family life, if you go on, if you have a partner, if you have kids, that kind of part of your life is almost secondary. And it really does take that big focus and allocating like a certain amount of time and prioritising them to keep those friendships going. I thought the part from the project interview that kind of stood out for me, apart from her asking about um, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, which she didn't really have a lot to say. I mean, she said she was supportive and wished nice things for them. And but she empathised with she, them. Oh, you know, of course, what else is she going to say? Um, I thought the interesting part was when she talked more about her Met Gala dress and the fight that was, that was broadcast with her husband, Kanye West, because I did think there was nothing more to mine from that particular situation. But I thought when Lisa asked, why did you choose to show that? And she said that there had been a big fight with Kanye over, we, we, this is the part we didn't see, that the dress originally had nipples on it and he asked her to take the nipples off and that was a big compromise. And she said, well, I don't want to portray an unrealistic expectation of my marriage and my life, that, we, that we're perfect, we're in love all the time. She's like, sometimes he's, you know, a bit of a jerk. I'm just paraphrasing, paraphrasing there. Yeah. She said, but she said, and she said, you know, we fight, we have difficulty and I wanted to show that as well. And I thought, yeah, actually that is a thing that Kim Kardashian does. Like obviously her Instagram is curated beyond belief, but I think she is good about showing those little moments in her life that are a bit messier and that's why she's been around for over a decade. And she did say that he really wanted her to include that in the show to show people where he was at in his life. And I think it did give a little bit more backstory to his kind of spiritual awakening that he's having at the moment too. Yeah, I think so she's been teasing this Australian blitz for a little while now. Do you remember a few weeks ago she uploaded those videos on her um, social media channels and she's like, Australia, I've got something big coming yes. for you. So I thought it was to do with her perfume, which is obviously now being sold in Maya. I didn't see the Uber Eats ad with um, Sharon so Rocky coming, but that was a lovely I had no surprise. idea. So thanks for that, Kim K. It's the 15-year anniversary of Gwen Stefani's solo album Love Angel Music Baby this month. So the album had hits like...
so many bangers. I'm a bit worried, though, because we are going to point out how questionable these, these things are. But the anniversary of the album has brought up the conversation again this week about her questionable artistic choices. So in an interview with Billboard, she stated that she doesn't really regret that Harajuku girls phase. So for those of you who don't know, she released the album in 2004 and this was her first foray into um, solo music after being the lead singer of rock band No Doubt. So for the promotion of the album, she was often accompanied by four backup dancers who were named the Harajuku girls. So they were four Japanese or Japanese-American dancers and they would accompany her to shows, star in her music videos and kind of be her general entourage for the promotion of it. So Harajuku is a neighbourhood in Tokyo and it's known internationally as the centre of Japanese youth and culture and fashion. When she was asked about it, her comments was that she bowed down to the culture and that she was a real super fan of it. But... 2004 was a completely different time and now we're in 2019 where this stuff just doesn't really fly now. So we thought it was really interesting how she didn't want to apologise for it, rather she kind of doubled down on it. Exactly. And I think looking back now, I mean, we all remember that time in her career where she was kind of the epitome of the cool girl, the pop girl, of the, you know, the pop princess and her music was kind of felt like this. I remember like listening to that album, it was like a revelation, not just the words and the video clips and the way she dressed, but obviously looking back on it now, it's incredibly problematic, especially with those four high Harajuku girls who I have never, reading their names in this cut article, I had I just had never even thought of their actual names. I always just thought of them, of the names that she gave them. You know how each one was called Love Angel Music Baby? Yes, those were the nicknames. And they were contracted to, as you were saying, kind of walk behind her to all these events. Like I just remember every red carpet she was on, every event, even social outings where she was just papped going into restaurants. These four girls would trail, trail behind her. And now we're reading that they were, they all spoke English perfectly well, but they were contracted only to speak Japanese and also never to really to always walk behind her and to kind of be these accessories. So the fact now that she's really in this Billboard article that she's really doubling down on not kind of even wanting to give that a moment's thought or hesitation or anything like that. And she's saying that, you know, the whole thing was like a joke because I thought I could never happen to me. So this was my fantasy. So the Harajuku girls were part of the fantasy. And she's like, it's horrifying that anyone would think that the fantasy is that they were Asian which doesn't make a lot of sense. Not at all. I just felt like the whole thing was really icky. She did get a little defensive in the interview um, when the journalist brought up the topic of cultural appropriation. And she said, if we don't allow each other to share our cultures, what would we be? You take pride in your culture and traditions and then you share them for new things to be created. I felt like she was getting a little bit confused between cultural appropriation and cultural exchange. Like she's trying to double down and be like, oh no, like we're, you know, we trade between different cultures, you know, and we come together on an even footing where it's like you're a white cisgender person who's appropriating a minority culture and going on to make a massive profit off it. It's a real issue. It's it's appropriation at its best. Oh, exactly. And look, it's not about looking back at past movies or albums or TV shows and like really holding them to account now, because obviously that happened in a different time and we weren't as aware as we are now. And you and I were both talking earlier about some of the fashion choices we made when this album was out. I used to wear chopsticks in my hair. I used to wear clothes like with, you know, Japanese symbols and words all over them. I probably even wore a bindi dot in my time. I 100% have worn a bindi. You used to wear them in high school because it was a cool, fun thing to like wear to parties and stuff. And Gwen Stefani wore them all the time. Obviously, looking back now, that is totally not okay. But we're more educated now. The issue that I'm finding here is not that she did it, is that she's not willing to look back now and say, yeah, that wasn't great. I've learned from that and I wouldn't do it again. She's still defending it. 
Yeah, and I just don't think that that's right. You can't be, you know, borrowing, sharing and profit from something like that. And it's a massive stereotype of that culture. I think it was like a real caricature of it and, it, you know, not letting them speak English in public, you know, they can only speak Japanese. It's so stifling for them as people and they were people. Exactly. And again, I only ever looked at them at the time as accessories and it seems like, she, but the issue here is that she's still doing that. Mm. So I think, I don't know, I, I feel like now that we're looking back on her, you know, there's been so much Gwen Stefani this year because she's, you know, a, a host on a big reality TV show. She turned 50 and she's like, you know, in this relationship and she's talking so much about how she's grown and changed as a person and how she's not going to let the fact that she's 50 stop her from being the person she is and the musician she is and stuff. And I think that's all so amazing. Mm. But what's kind of time? Punishing this kind of year celebration of Gwen Stefani is that she's not willing to look back and look at the mistakes she's made and own them. The trailer for the new season of Married at First Sight was released by Channel 9 last night and we'll link it in our show notes for you. The clip goes for about a minute 40 and slowly, one by one, we're introduced to each character and it's just, it's a little bit weird. They're walking through a dark forest, it's quite eerie, this Billie Eilish and Khaled songs playing and it's just a bit... What is this the same show I've always always been watching? What did you think? Oh, look, I think this promo is wild. And that is what people are saying. Fans are just looking at it. And there's so many comments across everywhere. It's been posted saying, what the hell is this? More delicately, I haven't used the more obscene <laughs> ones that have been used. But look, I've never watched Married at First Sight before. But looking at this promo, it looks like a gothic fairy tale fantasy or something like that. So like maybe it is my genre. But it's like literally these sad looking people in these wet, like these long trailing wedding grounds walking through this forest. And there's like a broken photo frame that her dress goes over that's meant to simulate symbolize it's got symbolism in it like broken past relationships that they're looking to leave behind them and then they walk wow. into that love tunnel oh the thing. tunnel where they all pause and it's kind of like them accepting to go on to the show. And at the end, they're like, there's a couple like levitate up into the sky and there's stars. And it's just like, it's just like they're trying to make the show a lot more. Because obviously there's been talk that the filming for next year has gotten a bit off the rails because they're filming it now. Um, and it's kind of being a little bit more, I guess, trashy and intense than normal, if you can even believe it. Oh my God, so the last trying, season. I know. Far out. So they're kicking up a notch from last year is what I've heard from the, you know, sources. And um, so they're trying to now prepare it back and make it a bit more, I guess, serious, a bit more mystical and a bit more, oh, I just can't even. It's like they've hired a PR person and they're rebranding the show. Well, I guess they're trying to get a bit more credibility for it, especially, and also they have so much more to play with this year. Like, you know, I'm sure the budget's bigger because it was such a huge smash hit this year that they're going to make it, it's their prominent like tentpole show for next year. Yeah, it really is. Well, off the back of that, there have been reports that one of the season six cast members, Elizabeth. Savinoff will be returning as an intruder bride. So there's been a lot of pap shots where she's been sighted um, at the ceremony along with her what's reported to be an AFL star, an ex-AFL star. And so she had a really troublesome time on the show. She was paired with Sam Ball, um, who ended up cheating on her with another castmate called Inners Basic. And it was just very toxic. And he was very derogatory um, against her body and her looks and all things like that. And it was just really horrible to watch. And she had no idea. But she's coming back on the show, which I think is a really interesting choice. I don't think that they've done that before. I'm wondering... 
I mean, it's going to make for great TV. I'm um, yeah, exactly. It's going to be great TV, and maybe you know, maybe she needs another profile push. I wouldn't be thinking she's off, she's gone back there for another trial at love um, after th- everything she's been through. I mean, they they have a lot of psychologists on the show who really vet people before they go on and, and that sort of thing. So they must have deemed her that this was okay for her to go back into that environment. But yeah, you're right. It is worrying. So the show will be coming back in early 2020, and I know Laura, you're probably not as excited as I am, but we'll look forward to it then. Thank you for listening to The Spill today. The American Music Awards are happening right now, so in tomorrow's episode we'll be doing a full recap, so make sure you tune in. You can get in contact with us by emailing us at thespill at mamamia.com.au. Did you know we also have a daily newsletter for everything celebrity and entertainment? For our best stories of the day, straight into your inbox every evening, go to mamamia.com.au forward slash newsletter and sign up for Mamma Mia Celebrity. And while you're listening to today's episode, remember to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. The Spill is produced by Hannah Bowman. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye.